All right, welcome everybody to Me Dwell a Podcast, episode 52. I am Stuart Anderson, and this is just a short introduction before we get on with this episode and Jess Clapier and Jason Lang. A couple brief announcements before we get on with the podcast. Kit pickup for uh, summer is June 7th. So just a couple weeks away, we're going to meet at Sugar House Park at the Olympus Pavilion. We're going to have all the kits ready for you, as well as some swag, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, socks, and then your summer kit orders. If you haven't paid team fees, be prepared to do so, and uh, whatever. Just be there, Olympus Pavilion, 730. Then we're going to have a picture at 8. And uh, don't get me wrong here, wear a white kit, 2022 white kit, don't wear a blue kit. Don't wear a red kit. Don't wear a yellow kit. If you are not wearing a white kit, we'll just ask you to take the picture and you're not going to be offended. So a uh, white kit, 2022 white kit, uh, Olympus Pavilion in Sugar House Park, June 7th, 730 to 830. All right. Is that a good announcement? Perfect. We got a lot of huge discount codes for the team. One for the Dirty Dino Ride coming up. We also have a huge discount for the Wasatch All Road. And these are all coming to us from Ventum. Huge love to Ventum and all the support they're giving the team. They are just money. Uh, so many bikes have been bought and uh, purchased by team members for Ventum, both GS1 and NS1. And we couldn't be more uh, grateful for this local sponsor, Ventum Bikes. I'm riding the GS1 gravel bike. So money. Uh, can't wait to uh, do some of these races on it. So thanks to Ventum and get signed up for some of those races. All those discount codes are found in the team group me in the chat uh, and also on the team emails that are coming to you. So anyway, enough with announcements. Grateful to get on here talking to Jess Clapier. We're grateful for uh, the time that he and Jason spent. A lot of fun information about coaching and thankful for uh, Jess for sharing all the things that he's learning as he's training to become a Cat 2 racer. Uh, all the things he's learning being with structured work, uh, working with his coach, and uh, the progression that he's seen as he becomes just better and better and just blowing us all out of the water with uh, what a great cyclist he is and uh, what a good man. We're grateful for his example and thankful for uh, the time he spent kind of sharing his wisdom with us. Uh, thankful for Jason being co-host again. I know, man, he's becoming a permanent part of this uh, podcast, so thankful for the time that he spent and grateful for uh, each of you listening. Thanks for uh, making the team a success. And uh, hopefully you enjoy this episode. All right. Bye. Greetings, Earthlings. What is up? This is like, look, Jace is back. Got Jess here. <sighs> Just excited like to be I'm here. I'm excited. <laughs> this is so Deep good. Uh, we're going to get right into it. No announcements. I don't even care. We got so much to talk about. This outline agenda. We might even be looking at like a double pod. So I'm game. I'm game. <laughs> I'm game for that. Um, let's start here, Jason. Current training status. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Coming back from Hawaii and adjusting to time zone and altitude. But other than that, I I feel like I want to race. Let's Ooh. do this. Ooh, Jess. Current training status. How was today? You worked today? good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I worked today. Feeling good. Uh, had a good bounce back after Gila. So yeah, I'm ready. Huh? I'm ready to race, but the only races right now are Bear Lake and a few other flat ones. So yeah, we'll get to that later, I guess. Are you doing Bear Lake this weekend? We can no, talk about that. Not doing no. Bear Lake. That's kind of you, fun. I mean, it looks kind of fun. I'm not, I'm not doing it. It looks fun. No quick way That's to get just get jam. That is flat. Yeah. 
yeah. quick way to get a hundred miles if you want that. Dude, do they they do two loops around Bear Lake? Yes, for the for the one two threes, I believe it's two loops. Four fives is one. I'm good. No, thank you. <laughs> um, very good. Uh, current training status. I rode. So I got this thing. I got this GS1 Ventum. Kind of like on the fence. Like eh, I'll get it. Whatever. Because my wife has one. Very fun to very. I see her enjoying riding this thing. And I'm kind of like Jason, where I'm like, really, is it trendy? Hashtag is a trendy bike. Are these all going to go away? Dude, it's just so fun. So we rode 20th East and we rode over the dirt through the construction zone on 20th East, right through the construction workers, like bounced over the dirt. Then we rode three towers up above the foothills on Enzyme Peak. It was so fun. It was awesome. I don't you're know. Gonna, I you're you're, you're going to convince me. It's, I, I, can see, I can see why guys do it. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. Sometimes I just laugh because now they're putting front shocks on gravel bikes. And I'm like, is this just a hard tail? Like, are we kidding ourselves? We've had these for a while. <laughs> Something new. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to dive in. So I have a all-time, all-time introduction. And Jess hasn't even heard this introduction yet. His wife wrote it. I asked her a couple of days ago, Eliza. Uh, wrote this wonderful, and she was nervous it was too long. I feel it's too short, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So. Oh, so, no, I have I'm gonna, not seen this at all. <laughs> it's so good. So we'll read, I'll, maybe I'll read a paragraph. Jace, if you want to jump in. Jess, if you want to jump in. Uh, okay, we'll go. Okay, Jesse Clapier. Known as Vinny, Jasper, and by his father-in-law, Jeff. How is your father-in-law calling you Jeff? <laughs> to this day, I kid you not, I have been in that family 12 years. We've my wife and I dated in high school. About once a week, I get a Jeff. Why? Just like oh, <laughs> it just slips. That, it just slips. Okay. Uh, born and raised in holiday, youngest of six kids, attended Churchill Junior High, Skyline High School, where he met his one and only girlfriend at age 15. Jess proposes six years later after Eliza told him to never talk to her about marriage is that just kind of in cheek there is that just no that was true that was true True. it was an old school proposal she had no idea man that's awesome traveling a priority for jess because he's fascinated with varying cultures that's cool just served LES mission in the philippines and he and liza once backpacked south southeast asia for six months is that after marriage yeah yeah 2018 that was right before i started writing dude that's intense wow uh, a connoisseur of dry mangoes, Thai food, his favorite, <laughs> and loves flying his drone in the mountains. Also an avid University of Utah fan, football fan, and even was found crying for his team at the latest Rose Bowl game. Actual tears, dude. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Was that at home or was that at the game? No, it was at the game. We had like, somehow we scored like four throw seats yeah. through some connection. Yeah. It's, I have the video. Maybe I'll, maybe that'll get to my youtube channel fears of joy or just like <laughs> devastation what were they? it was it was it was when they put in the backup quarterback from milford and then he threw oh. the touchdown pass and they went to overtime oh. it was tears of joy tears of joy just went through an interesting phase in his early teen years filming and starring in his own music videos if you ever find yourself in need of some quality entertainment on a saturday night i'd say during the work day if i'd add that <laughs> check out jv clapier on youtube that's like the handle that's his name and listen to listen to your heart remix it's sure to brighten your day uh, i might include well we can't really include it with this but i watched it it was definitely worth it. 
it's it's worth a watch for sure i think we all uh, i made i made little videos like that what was the inspiration there jess i was 15 i always thought i'd be like a film major i huh. thought i'd go to uc usc or ucla and it was back in the day that like you really had to work to know how to edit films and then i, I got back from my mission and tiktok could do way better than any of us so <laughs> then i gave it up oh my gosh i was 15 <laughs> at the time of the time of that one you would never have experienced editing a video unless it was like vhs flipping ripping songs from the radio it was awful okay uh jess tends to jump around companies in his work purely because he gets bored and is consistently looking for the next challenge he works as a web designer and has an eye for all things design Jess is nothing short of brilliant and all that's special. Very good. And always working on some random project. He's built a stand-up arcade as a child. He built a stand-up arcade as a child, a pulley system to turn off his bedroom lights from his bed. I love that. Did you just use a clapper? <laughs> <laughs> that was before clapper exists. <laughs> He's a natural athlete and pain seems to only mildly affect him. From a young age, Jess played football, baseball, wrestled, ran cross country, he goes, he goes so hard in flag football that he once broke both pinkies in a single day. Is that like in a game? Yeah, I just, yeah, it's, it's still crooked. It's like, wait, it's this side. There it is. Yeah. Where, where were you up. playing flag football? Is this an intramural so, league or? Yeah. Like it, at like Eastwood elementary. Yeah. And then Doug Brower <laughs> told me to stop playing flag football if I wanted to be a good cyclist. <laughs> Duck. <laughs> so I did. Oh Says you play second in state wrestling. Uh, with broken ribs your senior year. Uh, however, Jess couldn't catch a break when it comes when it came to sports injuries, and this is a large source of frustration for him. Maybe we'll dig into that later. Is that good? Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's when he found biking with the physical determination of a high school wrestler and the social awkwardness of a high school choir boy. Jess was <laughs> kind of destined to end up on a bike. That was my favorite line of the intro. Uh, Jess got on a road bike for the first time in 2016 after finding a cheap giant on KSL. Dude, you rode that thing for a long time. I know. It was a truly love at first ride. The next two years brought a lot of travel, moving around. So it wasn't until 2019 that he actually was able to start investing time into biking. He has had setbacks, including a major crash in 2020 and a car accident previously that had caused nagging back issues. But Jess is determined and pushed on. Dude, I was going through old Strava. You said you got hit by a trailer last year. Is <laughs> yeah, that, that true? In, in Francis, just going up to Woodland. Yeah. I kept up with like the elbow hitting it. But yeah, it's, it's always up there. They're always after you in those areas. Okay. Jess is loved by all who meet him and even crashed his in-laws car in high school. And they still let him marry their daughter. He is mindful of others. I agree. And always looking for ways to build relationships and bring joy into others' lives. He has the biggest heart of anyone you'll ever meet and is by far the favorite uncle to 25 plus nieces and nephews. I guess that's true. You're youngest. So you've got yeah. a lot of, yeah. When not, out. when not cycling, Jess can be found hanging out with his mother-in-law, tinkering with things around the house, watching Formula One or investing in crypto. I also... Don't you probably spend a lot of time watching cycling, don't you? Oh, yeah. I know you, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you just crushed the fantasy league last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little unfair. 
Yeah. Uh, although he may not admit it, Jess loves a good bachelor night with a nice cold swig drink and fresh cookies. Oh man, the best. His passion for biking is profound and rides simply because he loves it. Biking is a way for him to experience the beauty of the world, cope with the stresses of life, especially those put on him by his wife, and to meet so many incredible individuals. Climbing mountains in, is his specialty, both on the bike and in whatever life throws at him. Just his only regret with biking is that he didn't find it earlier in life. Dude, I'm just going to have her write everybody's. So good. Yeah, she's good. I always anything, tell her. She's a great anything writer. Anything to add? No, that was amazing. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she really is a great writer. I always tell her that, that she needs to write more. So I'm glad you asked her because I knew she'd come up with something good. I always get nervous asking because is it a burden? Is it fun? Like, do they feel embarrassed writing nice things? So anyway, it went good. Very good. Jace, anything to add? Yeah, I've got something to add. Okay, do it. Here's another another interesting fact about Jess that is super weird. He hates hard shell candy. So like Cadbury eggs. M and M's, things like like really good candy. He, Why? Like can't even put them in his mouth. Yeah, that um, is a great one, and that so takes weird. a really close friend to know that because <laughs> my wife and my family would know that. But yes, anything with a hard outer shell. Why? I don't Why? know. I can't do it. I've tried every year. I'm like, here's my time. Once a year, I go for it. Oh, go for the Cadbury, and then it doesn't work out. One one time, I was like talking about my deep love of the Cadbury eggs that come out uh, at, around Easter time. And he was like, those are the most disgusting candies. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we kind of talked about high school. I mean, it sounds like you grew up with a lot of sports, um, but maybe just, maybe just talk about that. a little brief history before you got into cycling. What, what kind of shaped your athletic uh, nature? Yeah. 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 I know there's some people in the cycling community that come from a wrestling background. It's not as, it's not as much. My family is a wrestling family. Like the Claypier family is six hours in the gym on a Saturday. There's like an underground community of wrestling. A lot of my sisters married wrestlers. Like it is just till the day they die, they love wrestling. Um, so that was really what we grew up with. Uh, since I was probably five, since I'm the youngest, my older brothers were wrestlers. And so I grew up going to that. My dad coached at Skyline. If anybody went to Skyline with Sam Arishida and some of those, and then the Olympus guys like Dave Vandevigate, um, I grew up wrestling, wrestling with him, but that was really where it all started was, was that. And so I would run in the off season. Um, cause once I got to high school, you kind of had to choose of what sport to do. So did all the sports until ninth grade, um, and then focused on wrestling. And the only sport that really lets you wrestle and then do that sport is running because any of the others are too much of a time commitment. So ran to stay in shape for wrestling. Um, but yeah, that was, that was always the big, the big sport, the big dedication was to wrestling. So wrestled probably nine, nine. months of the year, um, and then took three months off to run. Do you remember as a kid? Oh, go ahead, Jason. I was going to say, you didn't just wrestle either. You competed in nationals every year. You're traveling around to all these huge national tournaments. And then, I mean, as a a runner too, you were like a sub five minute mile kid when you were in junior high, right? It's true. It's true. Yeah. I peaked, I peaked in um, my sophomore year. Uh, Liza mentioned that a little bit. I, something happened that I grew and one of my legs didn't grow. Like, I, I, I'm not joking. It's like a good inch. 
um, it's pretty ridiculous when I don't wear shoes. It's like, like I kind of, no I, I, when I walk on a curb, you know, like I walk in the gutter just so my right legs up on the side. Um, but <laughs> it caused it. So when I was a sophomore, yeah, I, I was, I honestly thought I'd maybe run in college cause I was putting up good times, like a four forty as a 15, 16 year old. Um, and then I hit a growth spurt and my right leg didn't grow weirdest thing ever, um, huh. caused. And so it just caused shin splints and stress fractures for the next two years. Wow. So Brutal. yeah. And we can get to that with like how that incorporated into biking. Um, I think Dave coach Dave, uh, for a bike fit that changed it because it caused a lot of issues when I first started as well. And do you remember just like as a high school kid, ever, all of us are kind of dumb, <laughs> but do you have any remembrance of like, Oh, I am good at suffering. No, I am good at pain. Was that even like on the table at the time? Like, dude, I can really endure the physical nature of conditioning for wrestling. And, and other yeah. guys were like quitting. Was that a thing that you knew early? Yeah, I don't, I don't condone um, cutting weight in wrestling anymore. I do not condone that <laughs> at all. I stand by that. Um, but it was a dumb thing that we had to do. Um, and, and I just could suffer for a long time and having to run and do that stupid thing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I was always able to, and really in running, like I wrestled, but I was a naturally, maybe even a natural better runner than I was wrestler. Um, and I could run for a long time. We always did Ragnar. And so they always just gave me the routes that were like the 11 mile legs or the 13 mile legs or whatever, just cause I could just keep going. Nice. All right, let's move on. Okay. Cycling. How'd you arrive there? Oh, it's a good question. Yeah. Liza did a good job talking about it. 2016. I remember I got into, um, the BYU information systems program and Liza surprised me with a bike. I'd always, I'd wanted one. So I, in 2012, before I mission, I bought one for a dollar. So if you thought my giant was bad, if you guys remember when I showed up to me, Dwelly rides, <laughs> if you thought that bike was bad, I did have a worse bike, um, that I bought at a garage sale for a dollar. <laughs> Um, I did the East Canyon triathlon in 2012 before I mission on that with no, no training. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. You couldn't clip in like I did. It was so bad. Um, and then 2016, she got me that, but then we decided to travel for a lot uh, for those next few years of our first uh, little bit of marriage. So we traveled a lot, like she said. Um, so I wasn't able to ride. And then we got back from Asia in February or like January, 2019. And that was when I kind of reached out to you, Stu. Um, I literally Googled cycling clubs in Utah because I had no idea where to begin. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it. And I was like, if I'm going to ride, I'm going to find somebody. So I just Googled, and I think it was Cycling West, like their mag, mm -hmm. that old, ma the magazine that used to have like the list of teams in the back. Yeah. Uh, that's where I found it. Yeah. I found me Dwelle, gave you a call. Um, Did you call me? And, I don't, I don't remember yeah. the you yeah, I remember me. talking to you. Yeah, I remember talking to you um, was I nice about was I you were very nice. Yeah, you okay. were really nice. <laughs> um, so that that's where I first started riding was was finally when we kind of got settled as a couple in Salt Lake. I was like, yeah, now I can start to ride. But cycling, I'd always loved it. I really found it before because um, I watched professional cycling like my love of professional cycling came before even starting to ride. So I'd watch the tour de France, watch all the races. I really followed it just as about as much as I followed, uh, like college football or anything else. Um, and so then I was like, I really want to give this a try. Cause I felt like I would be a good fit for it, knowing my background, um, in things, but I just had never had the means, uh, or the equipment. And so, yeah, it started out with that $450 giant that weighed about 23 pounds. <laughs> That's uh. wild. <laughs> 
<laughs> Love it. Um, anything? Uh, I'll let Jace ask the next question. Go ahead, Jace. Um, so I guess you kind of covered this a little bit, but what the what was the real appeal to cycling? What what brought you into it? Other than you just thought you could be good at it because it was another endurance sport. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I, I always joke that I will only do sports where I have to wear extremely constricting <laughs> spandex, um, my whole life wrestling. And then I just went straight to wearing bibs. So, um, rhythmic yeah. gymnastics is next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next is gymnastics. Yeah. If I had any sort of upper body next would be gymnastics. Yeah. Other than, other than another sport in which I could wear um, spandex, I just always loved watching cycling. There's so many tactics like watching racing and, um, just, yeah, the endurance aspect of it. Um, that's kind of what appealed to me. And then the change was when I got into cycling, I didn't realize what kind of community existed inside of cycling, especially mm -hmm. I feel like in Utah, like once I got in and started meeting people, um, I, I say this now, like they, they used to be categorized as like my cycling friends, like the first year, like, Oh, these are my cycling friends. And now it's like, um, these are just my friends. Like they're, they're the people I hang out with. They're the people I text all day. They're the people I, I talk to. Um, and that's what completely drew me in was this community. I've never, I've never experienced it. Like in other sports, I feel like I go to races or I went to wrestling matches and like you hated your, your, the person you were going to wrestle. Like, I can't tell you many people I wrestled that I'm friends with to this day, yeah. but in cycling, I feel like everybody is friends. You race hard and then you're friends afterwards. Yeah. That's so, that's such an interesting perspective because as you talk about that, that's really what brought me into it as well. It's, I used to see these idiots that thought they were cars taking up all this road space and their spandex. And I, I was just bugged by them all the time on the road. And then, you know, you give it a shot and you meet the people and you find a community and it just really sucks you in. It's, I mean, it's like a cult. Once, once you're in, you just yeah, really you love it. You can't even think of anything else. You give up your other hobbies. It's like, well, I used to golf, but then I started cycling. So that's because you can't afford them. It's true. <laughs> that is, that is true. <laughs> hey, I did the, I did the math though, of how much I spent on the bike last year, like yeah. total. And I think it ended up being cheaper than if I had golfed. So oh, for per, sure. per round, Not me. just because, just because <laughs> I did the, I did the hours. Four did, bikes. That's true. <laughs> um, I like this. I like, um, Maybe just talk a little bit about how um, you like the cycling requires so much of you. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think what I love about it is there's really, I kind of think of it as three areas that have to all be in line in order to have a successful race or a successful anything is not only do you have to be in crazy good shape, form and fitness, but then you have to have the bike and the whole mechanic side of it. And then you have to have the nutrition and the hydration. So I feel like it's this trifecta that like with any other sport, like, and I'm not, I love all the other sports, but like, you know, I show up to, to run and I just got to make sure I'm in good shape. And yes, there's kind of the hydration, but like with biking, you also have a machine that's got to be working. And, mm. and it's kind of like, there's a lot of luck involved with it that in any given race, if one thing goes wrong, then you're kind of, you know, up a Creek on that one. Um, but I love that to have a perfect race all, all three of those areas have to come together. Um, and you can't just lack on one of them. You can't let, you can't let any of them slip. It's also why I love F1 because it's a similar, it's a similar thing with the tactics, but yeah, that's what I love about it. There's just so much that goes into it. You could spend, I mean, Lang knows more than anybody. That guy's the guy I go to for all of the questions about equipment, but, um, it just takes so much for all three of those aspects to, to jive in order to have a successful race or event. 
We learned from Jason oh. last week too. You just ask him about ingredients of products as well. He's got those <laughs> dialed in. I'm not I love, surprised. I love the research. I spend way too much time looking things up for sure. <laughs> I love but it. I, I got to tell you, Jess, one, one thing that I love about you, you, you mentioned the machine and how that's like such a, of big importance in cycling. And I, I almost think it's, you're an example of just the opposite. You're old crappy giant that you're telling me you could <laughs> beat me up any hill mm-hmm. on that thing. I feel like it's still just the, the engine on the bike more than the bike. It's at the end of the day, it's the, the Watts that matter and how, how deep can you go? How much can you suffer? Nice, no, nice. I think that's, that's kind of the advice that I give to anybody wanting to get in cycling is try it out cheap with a bike like that. And if you love it, then you'll like, you'll kind of earn the next step. So I've just slowly done that as I've been able to afford it, like going up and, um, because I've, I feel like I use it all the time. So it's now time to spend a little bit more, but yeah, you can get into cycling for a couple hundred bucks. If you're just throw away all pride, when you show up to a group ride in a, in a kit, that, <laughs> in a kit that you bought in the Philippines and a bike that you bought for 400 bucks. So that's about Dude, it. No one knows. I didn't know you were doing, I didn't know. I was just like, yeah, this guy, he's awesome. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't even know. Like at the time when you were writing that, I was like, nah, who cares? He's awesome. So it barely cool. shifted. There was, there was, a, there was a ride where, um, Adam Marriott, he's riding next to me. He's like, and I was adjusting the, um, what are the cables at the top link? The tension cables. Yeah. But like your barrel, barrel adjusters, yes, the barrel adjusters, it wouldn't shift down going up little cottonwood. And so I had to adjust the barrel adjusters at the same time. And Adam Marriott drove, rode by me and he's like, are you really doing that right now on your bike? I've never, <laughs> I have never seen this. I'm like, I know it just needs two more cranks and then it will shift. <laughs> Most people don't even know how those work. You just know, like I don't turn even know them back are. and forth a few times. And you're like, oh, dude, I touch those and I got to take them in to hanger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I know, I know this, this next one's kind of uh, just because the history is not deep, but just early memories, like things, uh, I've got some really early memories of you, Jess, I think um, are fun to remember, but how about you? Anything stand out? Well, yeah, those rides, um, just the early, the early group rides. There was one, I was talking to Doug about it on our ride this past Saturday. We rode Morgan. I don't know if you remember this, Stu, it was the first time I ever rode Morgan with you guys. I remember, yeah. And I was in my crappy kit. I went to REI because I saw it was going to rain. Um, no, I didn't it go was, to REI. REI it was is too cold. expensive. It was cold. I went That's to second crazy. track sports on 39th. That was my place. Um, I got some jacket, but it would like balloon up and you guys just dropped me. There's a group that turned around at big mountain. Yeah. The group that kept going was you, Doug. I think Kristen was there. I think, um, Marriott Jam- Jameson was there. Marriott was there. And, uh, you guys dropped me going down and I was like, I was planning to go to Morgan. I'd never ridden to Morgan. So I just kept riding. And I don't know if you remember, it was like 20 minutes after you were at the gas station in Morgan. And I just, and I showed up. I don't remember. <laughs> I was, I was so Awful. happy to find you guys because I had no idea where to go. And I saw the bikes parked at this gas station. Oh, no. um, I have pictures. I was showing them to Doug. I was like, I still have pictures of that ride. That one was a good one. That was a, that was a good memory. I, my first memories were always you and Doug pulling away on Little Cottonwood when we do the Tuesday. It was oh. kind of like a, there, there became a time where Tuesday Little Cottonwood was a Yeah, thing. it was like a group ride. Yeah. Yeah. And it was always spicy and you and Doug would always pull away. And I was like, okay, one day, one day I'm going to be able to, to hold on that wheel. <laughs> Freak not wasn't <laughs> too long in the future. <laughs> cause I remember, um, cause you have listed these, these COVID rides. We, for any, for anybody that doesn't know, we kind of had this idea that, um, we would 
morph Thursday rides into, it was more of like a race. And it was like, we were kind of tired of people. I, I don't I want anyone to be upset, but it was like, listen, if you get dropped, you, you are willingly arriving at a thing that is not going to wait for you. And it actually turned out to be so much fun, except we offered prizes and Jess won like, what did we did five? There was it finally, it just like became a joke. It was like, well, it doesn't even, eh, it doesn't matter. And I, I distinctively remember Jess. There was one time we did backside of big mountain and it was like fastest time. I think it was like a long ride. We went to Morgan or something. And I was like, okay, backside of big mountain. And I was like, I'm ready. And there was you, it was impossible. You were just gone. And I think you were like two and a half minutes in front of, I mean, it was so fun to watch, but at the same time, like, uh, don't be jealous, be inspired. That was my quote. <laughs> I kept telling myself, <laughs> um, those, dude, were, those were a blast. Just so fun. And I remember early, like I've got so many old videos of us, like doing Emmy together, uh, when you're in that old white kit and your old bike, but just a lot of great. <laughs> the old one. There was another one of those drop rides that I think some of the Taylor Cannon will remember. Uh, I can't remember Ling if you were there, um, but it was Taylor Cannon and Zach West and they, and used to, and you guys decided to box me in going up Tibble. That's the one. It, oh, I was it, there. Of course yeah. I Ling was there. Yeah, it got yeah. so spicy. It was so, um, and we just kept attacking. You would, you would come back and, yeah. and it kind of happened naturally. Doug was really leading us, but oh man, it's so fun. That was, that was amazing. I was glad Taylor's was in town. Taylor's ride. in town a couple that was a great ride. Taylor's in town a couple of weeks ago and we were able to finally beat that time. I hadn't beat that time that we had, we had done that in since then been like two years. Well, we'd kind of, we're farting around. We'd like go and then we'd slow and we'd attack again and then we slow. And then you just kept covering all of them alone. There was like five guys against you. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. We knew Jess was unbreakable after that. There was another time too, that I had a one of my most distinct memories of Jess is up city Creek. It's like my all time, uh, two minute power PR still to this day is like mm -hmm. the very top of city Creek. Yeah. I think it's like 600 Watts for two minutes. And I was, that's as hard. I went so hard and just rode away from me. Like at the top <laughs> the of giant. city Creek, me, <laughs> and, me and him like went off the front and he, I couldn't hold his wheel. I, and that's still, I think I'm pretty sure it's still my all-time power PR at that range. No, it could be, it could be my power PR, but I was on my, my second bike, the Van Dessel, and I still didn't have a power meter. <laughs> so <laughs> I've only had a power meter since last August. So, we'll, so, so it's, it's all new to me. This is a good place. Um, so this is kind of why we brought Jess on. Uh, I mean, why I was inspired to buy him. Um, which is there, he reached a point where, where everyone had to acknowledge, um, stay humble, Jess, that this was like a thing for him, that he has got gifts, but skills, talents that were like surpassing us in such a short time. Like I've been writing for 10, 12 years. Like he's at this for a year, two years on a $450 bike. And we're like, well, well, what is happening? And like, uh, we'll get to it, but Doug is like, Hey dude, get a coach. Like you are not, this is a, this it's time for you to kind of, uh, surpass us all. And maybe let's just talk about that. Let's kind of transition in. When did you, when did you know, when did, when were you like, okay, I'm going to, 
I'm going to really pursue this as a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sufficiently humbled after going to regional races and we'll talk, (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll talk about that, but yeah, going to, going to Gila and seeing all the best climbers in the country. Yeah. You get, you get humbled real quick. Um, but I, it it goes back to the drop rides we were talking about. So this kind of progression, I remember after the drop rides, cause COVID had hit and we all went into like our hiding. Um, and it was during that time that I just started to ride a lot alone. I did some like climbing challenge sponsored by Peter Statina that I took third. It was like a, it was like a, uh, virtual one, but I won a bunch of like cliff bars for like a year, a bunch of stuff like that. And then I went out and, and I did little cottonwood, like one of the first times I ever just like hit it hard. Um, and I remember getting home and I looked at Strava and I was like, wow, I was 25th. And I get like, I'm not even going to consider the SEP times, like those segments, the tour of Utah segments, those are beyond us amateurs, but, but for the full Canyon, I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty solid. Um, and then we had the drop ride. Um, yeah. And that's when, that's when Doug, cause Doug's always been there for me of, of helping me figure out what's next. And he's like, you need a coach. So <laughs> that was kind of that transition of wanting to get a coach and seeing where it went. Um, I've learned a lot cause I kind of struggled going back and forth. Like you get these false sense of securities when you're just doing a KOM or something that like, ah, I can, I can get to that next level. And then, like I said, you go to the big regional races and you see what, you know, I'm committed a lot to cycling right now. Like I commit a lot of time, but to get to that next level is, is even more. Um, but I did decide that I wanted to see where I could take it. So this was 2021. This would have been like, yeah, almost a year ago, a little before a year ago when I started to reach out to coach Dave and, and figure out, um, just kind of push myself, see what, see what I could do, see what it, what it'd be like to race at all the regional races. Nice. Very cool. Um, so yeah. So you've mentioned coach Dave a couple of times, Dave Harward from plans. Yes. Plan seven. Yes. Uh, I also use him too. I love that guy. Does a great job. Um, let's talk about that a little bit then the, the coaching side. Yeah. Why, why? I mean, you looked at Doug said, get a coach. You looked into it. Why did that appeal to you after looking into it? What, what was it going to give you? Yeah. I think for me, just training alone during COVID, uh, I was just kind of shooting in the dark, like today I'm going to ride this Canyon hard and today I'm going to do this. Or like Paul Watson always gave me great advice. So I'd do like three hard weeks and then I do like a rest week or like, I just try and do these things and kind of take these shots in the dark. But, um, what really appealed was to have somebody structure my training over a long period of time. Cause at this point I knew I was into cycling. Like I had done the test on the cheap bike. I had gotten a $2,000 bike. And then at this point I was ready to buy like a real bike that could compete and had all the, the power meter and stuff. And I figured if I'm going to go that into it, I know I'm in it for the long call. So I committed to getting a coach for an extended period of time. Um, and it was really to see where I could get, I kind of felt like I plateaued at training on my own, um, and needed to like break it all down, build a real base. Cause I didn't ever have a base of cycling. It was, I, I got injured a lot at the start because it'd be like, it came natural. And so I tried to do too much and then I get injured. So kind of wanted to step back, build that base and then set some goals and see if I could achieve them. So it was mostly just to set new personal bests up on Strava. It wasn't even to race or anything. <laughs> Racing was definitely part of it. I did. I did <laughs> set a goal. Yeah. Um, my goal has always been to race in professional races. Hmm. So r- cycling will never be my profession. Um, we all have met 
I mean, I mean, to, to make it a profession, um, I have all confidence in people like Josh LeBeau. I think he can do it. Um, I'm rooting for him uh, to make it my profession. I feel like I would have had to find it 10 years ago and move to Europe uh, to make enough to make it a profession. So it'll never be my profession, um, but I do have a goal of racing in professional races. So that's really what I've worked with Dave. Dave has the experience of doing that. And so uh, I felt like he'd be a great fit to help me get there. Maybe you two can both kind of answer this idea, but uh, I, when I talked to Jess yesterday about this, a lot of people listening, I would say, are kind of like in and out of this idea of a coach. And in my profession, we're constantly telling dentists, like, don't be the player and the coach. Like, it doesn't work. Like, find a coach for business or finance or running your practice because doing both is really hard. So you, you've both been on both sides. Maybe I'll ask a two-part question is a coach for everyone? Like, is that a thing? Like should every, and then two, um, how do you train different just with a coach? Like how has your life changed? Do you want to start Link? Yeah, Jace. No, take it. Okay. Um, your first one was, sorry, repeat the, repeat the two parts. Yeah. yeah. Is a coach for everybody? Yeah. And is it like, how is do I train every, different? Yeah. I mean, is all, are all people like, uh, I could just be better and happier and be more effective if I just, bucked up and just listen to a coach. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think it is totally, this is going to be like the cop-out answer of it's, it depends on the person. I think it depends on your goal. For me, my goal was to go move up categories and race with the one and twos. Um, and in order to do that, I really felt like I needed a coach, but I also think that your goal could just be to push yourself to get better and be more efficient with your training. And you could use a coach. Um, so it's totally up to you. I I'm a pretty big believer in it. I'm almost a year into using a coach the whole time. Um, and it's, it's pretty awesome. The thing that I love is that I go into events having a lot of confidence. Um, I remember getting to Mount Evans last year, and I think we'll talk about this a little later, but I was talking to my wife. I was kind of, I was kind of wigging out about it. Um, Lang texted me and told me to toughen up, um, <laughs> cause I was nice. nervous about it, <laughs> but, but Liza, my wife pointed out to me, she's like, you've done everything that coach Dave's asked you to do. Like there is nothing else you could have done to be more prepared. Um, and I loved that confidence going into it of knowing like I've done all I can, like it's kind of putting the accountability on the coach to plan that out for you and make sure you're peaking at the right time. And then you go into these events feeling extremely confident. So you don't have to play that mind game of like, well, should I have done this workout? Should I have trained this hard? Like what should I have done? Um, so I love having that confidence and knowing that I'm prepared when I go into events. Great answer. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot the same. I, for me, cycling um, is as much about the work as anything. I really enjoy the work and the suffering on the bike. So without a coach, I found myself just going hard all the time. And um, it's hard. It's hard to know, like, when to say when, like, when to turn it off, when to go hard, when you are gonna, you know, overtrain anything like that. And having a structured plan where I could just see the work ahead of me um, was really helpful. And I knew when to dial it back and knew when to go hard. I knew when I was ready to go hard. And also I just thought if I'm going to put this much time into something, I mean, we're riding for hours a day. I mean, lots of hours a week. I, I put more time into this than anything. I just thought if I'm going to put this much time into it, I might as well see where, where I can get to, I mean, how, how good can I be? How big of a base can I get? I, so that, that was a lot of it for me is just, I needed some structure just to show me 
how to get better and not just overwork myself. Dude, both. I think that's insightful answers. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to add on that of, of not overworking. I think one of the biggest things with a coach, you throw away Strava pride 90% of the time Mm -hmm. because I mean, I still, and, and Dave and a lot of coaches, they'll listen to like your feedback and I'll still have them throw in a day where I can just go smash like a Strava segment. Um, but 90% of the rides you're doing like these intervals. And so your times are just ridiculous. Like there's some of your slowest big con, what are emigration times. And so you have to just throw away that, that Strava pride, um, just for the 90% and then go hard on the, on the other 10%. Um, and then just get, get comfortable with intervals and starting to love intervals, but there's something like there's something goal oriented of like every day being able to hit those intervals. Uh, I don't know. It's a sense of accomplishment that I really, really love to, to seek. I love at the start of the week when I get the schedule and I'm like, all right, here's what I have ahead of you, ahead of me. I know Lang and I and Doug like text about it and be like, kind of talking about what we have ahead in the week. And it's kind of fun to get yourself mentally ready. Like, okay, here's what I got to do. And then at the end of the week, see if you're able to get there. That's cool. I love that. It's a great, I mean, I agree with you hundred percent, especially since, you know, those goals will determine what kind of coach you need. I mean, maybe the coach is telling you to like, listen, just erase your Strava file, like stop. Um, so great answers, you guys. Excellent. Hopefully that helped someone. I don't know me. <laughs> um, we've watched you just the last couple months. I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I mean, you've done some big races, huge training, um, maybe what, what have you learned the last little bit about training, racing, balancing it all as you've kind of gone this next level the last couple of months? Yeah. Um, another thing about a coach is they help you keep focused on what you want to do or what your goal is and not add too much to your plate. Um, cause that's one thing that I've learned a lot with the stage races. So I went down, I did Valley of the Sun, which is three days tour of Tucson, which is three days came back and then did Gila, which is five days. Um, huge commitment, not only time, money, logistics, equipment, like trying to figure out who's going to come and be your support. Cause the stages, you got to have people at all the different feed zones. Like, I mean, take the logistics of Lodija and then five stages in a row and trying to figure out who's going to be your follow car. Um, because we're amateurs, so we don't have, you know, we don't have somebody figuring that out for us. So that was a lot. And, and that's one thing that coach Dave pointed out to me is like just the logistics and the time commitment is going to take a lot out of you. So let's make sure we pick ones um, mm-hmm. and don't overwhelm yourself. So that that's kind of like we did a couple in February and then had a good training block in March um, leading up to Gila in, in um, the end of April going into May. But yeah, big, big commitment as far as everything. <laughs> nice. Um, Jace, you want to ask about, yeah, next one. Um, so another thing that I guess having a coach does is it helps with injury prevention. You've had your fair share of that, um, injury prevention, burnout type stuff. Tell me, you know, kind of how you keep that in perspective and how a coach helps you there. Yeah. Yeah. As far as injury prevention, I will preach bike fits all day. Um, and I don't think every bike fit is equal and not saying that others are bad. I just think it's important to find the bike fit that works for you. Like I've gone to a few and it just so happened that how Dave does his works for me. Um, 
So that was one thing, like as far as injury, I was getting injured a lot. And now I just make sure, and as my body's adjusted to riding more, sometimes my fit changes. And so if I start to get injured again with like the knee pain and things, I'll go back in and get an adjustment. Um, but as far as burnout, uh, Liza kind of mentioned this in my, in the intro, but I love cycling. Like I just love the sport. And so if I ever get to the point where I, I don't love it, um, then I have to kind of like reassess and be like, why am I doing this? Am I doing it? Cause it's a chore or because it's fun. Um, and as long as I always am reassessing when it starts to become a chore, then I haven't, I haven't felt burnt out. I mean, like the other week, last week, I mean, I was texting, um, you Jason about it. I, I just didn't feel like going up and racing tax day. I had raced a lot and like, there's really no reason for me not to do it. Um, but I just was kind of like, this just seems like a chore to get up at 4am to go and race this. Um, and it wasn't fun. So just little things like that, of like taking a step in the back, taking a step back, making sure that I am doing it. Cause I love it, um, has kept me from not getting burned out. We'll see. I'm only two years, two and a half years in. So maybe I will. <laughs> well, one thing that you said when we were texting about it too, is you just kind of wanted to ride with people. You were just like, yeah. look, the racing's great. The points are on the line, whatever. It might help me get closer to my goal, but man, I'd rather just ride with you and Doug, like hey, sure. maybe talk about that a little bit. Do you, does that help you not burn out riding with people having training partners? Yeah. I think the training partners is huge. And that took a while, um, to find the right people that you just jive with on the bike. Like, um, I think I jive with most every cyclist off the bike and not to say that I don't on the bike, but just your training goals. And especially if you're following structure, uh, it took a while to find, you know, that person that you ride with. I mean, if you follow my Strava, I probably ride 80% of my rides. If it's with somebody with Doug, because he's taught me a lot about, about structure training. Um, but I do think it's important to hold each other accountable. I went out this morning with Ryan Fogarty, awesome dude as well. Um, and we did intervals on big Cottonwood. And even though you kind of leapfrog each other, it's just, it's just nice to have somebody else suffering with you, um, doing those intervals. So yeah, I'm a huge believer in having a training partner. I think that it really, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, how your cycling buddies become your best friends. I think Stu could probably talk more about this than any of us is when you like really suffer with people for all of those hours. I mean, you really develop a connection that is unlike anything else. I mean, that you develop a connection that's unlike any of your deepest friendships with your longest friends. You know, you just like have that, that suffer time together. It's crazy. I agree. You didn't know that another person could be as stupid as you are. <laughs> somehow it just brings you together. <laughs> um, I, it's true. I agree. And I feel the same way Jess does, which is, you know, <clears throat> that time spent is sacred. You know, those people that you choose as I get older, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like, there isn't as much time as I thought there was, you know? So the time you spent with those people really is, that it's a choice. It's a, it's a pretty responsible choice that you got to live with. So anyway, it's like you said, uh, I don't know if it was on another podcast or what, when you said, would an idiot do this? It's like <laughs> our, our whole, Dwight, our whole Dwight team. True. It's like, you look at something so stupid and you're like, can I write up that? Wouldn't, would an idiot he, do this? Yes, yeah. he would. I used yeah. to think that as you're riding up, you know, to go ski for the day. And there's like these cyclists riding up and you're like, what an idiot. <laughs> who, who thinks that is fun like writing to alta uh, I and now and now that's you oh, i just love it <laughs> let's uh let's talk about a little bit 
what you've got in mind for this year, Jess, um, some goals for the future. What, um, what are some stuff you're looking forward to doing? Yeah. Um, that's, I always, I always go back and forth on this. Cause like, there's a, there's a part of you that's always like, no, nah, I want to put, I want to just sacrifice everything and, and cycle. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's important to have, to have a balance, at least for me. Um, if I was in a different state of life, I, I could see putting everything, sacrificing it all, um, and trying to do that. But for myself with like my family, my wife, my goal right now is get to cat two. Um, that's, it is, it is a challenge. The, especially going to the regional races, the, the threes are really, really strong. Um, so get there. And then, like I said earlier, racing some professional, some professional fields. Um, so Lodija, I am signed up for the pro one, two field. So hopefully awesome. I'm a two by then that, that would be, that would be the plan. Um, I want to, you know, I look up to the riders like Nathan Spratt and some of those other guys in Utah. So would love to suffer and see what it's like to try and keep their wheel, um, you know, for like a two minutes and then he'll be gone. But, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely one of them. And then, um, kind of my, my season's been separated into two blocks. There was up until Gila and then there's after Gila. And so now it's back to training and then getting ready for all of the hill climbs. So I'm going to hit Pike's peak this year. Um, really excited about that one, all the Utah ones. Um, but yeah, Pike's peak will be a big one. I'll probably do Mount Evans as well. Uh, is that the one you did last year? Last year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Last year. Okay. Okay. And then talk about just before we move on to notable finishes, which we have a fun list of, I got to know about how the idea was conceived for the, I didn't even know it was a a segment because I am not doing this little Conway Canyon (laughs) down little up big is a segment and you took it. it. Yeah. How do you find it? Yeah. What happened? It's gorgeous. Washington. So (laughs) how I stay motivated is Strava segments and Mm -hmm. it's, it's for myself more than anything else is I just, I love like to push myself against the clock, try and find, it goes back to like the trifecta of like the gear, um, the nutrition or the hydration. And then also like finding the perfect weather day where like the wind is, is ready. Um, I love to push Strava KOMs, but in Utah we're, we're, um, we suffer the consequences of tour of Utah taking so many mm-hmm. of the, and, and they those will never get taken unless we have like a Peloton that wants to ride up little or emigration with us on right. TT bikes or something. Um, so I like to find Strava segments that are really long and like combine a couple of, a couple of segments. There's another one that I, that I've tried a couple of times, but again, it's gorgeous Washington who has it. Um, mm-hmm. that's Rob. I think it's Rob Squire is who yeah, it actually that's is. A, yeah. That's a, um, and that one combines all the segments up emigration. So it does Emmy, the Oaks, top of Emmy to top of big mountain. Um, so anyways, so I like to look for those segments that are like kind of epic, um, epically long and would require stringing together multiple really hard climbs. Um, that's something that coach Dave has worked on. Like the whole winter with me is building a deep fitness. So you can do hard things back to back. Um, nice. So yeah, so I had, I did this, t- it was exactly a year ago in, in April, um, that I tried it. I don't know. I just found it. I'm always looking at segments. It's we're weird. It's like what we do. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we just, we search segments. I don't know. Would um, an idiot do it? I do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. We, I do. It. we do. <laughs> um, yeah, we found it. I found it and I was like, I didn't know that was a segment either, but that sounds pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I, it, a year ago did it and 
I, I wasn't close to gorgeous Washington's. And then I was like, I'm going to do it. I had it all planned that it'd be a perfect day. And then the day I was going to, the day before Josh LeBeau goes out. Um, and of course it was a tempo ride for him. I don't want him to do it on a, on a non-tempo ride, um, and smashed it by like 14 minutes or something. Um, but yeah, so I still, I don't know. I still went for it and I did the math. So it would, it would require like a 48, uh, little cottonwood and then just over an hour, big cottonwood back to back and then screaming descents in between. But you had to descend little. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I hit little at a 46. It was actually my, my little PR. Um, wow. so right at a 46, which gave me some minutes. And so then I descended little, um, and then actually Nick Bali, when I had to do the transition, he was right there. So he kind of oh, rode right. with me to help. Yeah. To help me <laughs> tell me transition. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I got to make this gap. Um, and then big was, yeah. Then I had to do a one Oh two up big and then descend big. Oh, you had it. The segment includes it coming down. Yeah. It includes coming back, which was the hardest part. I had about, I had about six minutes on it at the top of big. And then there was a, there's a wind coming down. And so that was the, that was the hardest part. Nice. Jace, any segments you're looking at? I got to know. I'm not in the league of these guys that are looking at segment KOMs. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Jess one of mine because he's gonna go do it because he can do fast with me. Jess, you gotta get, I bet you can get top five at Lambs. Lambs? Okay. I've only ridden Lambs once with you and Charles. Because my goal is to do top 10 this year, but I bet you can do it. I, I think Alex Grant holds it at like 36 or 38 minutes, but dude, you can do it. It's because there's not there's only like 70 people that have ever done it. <laughs> Well, Cor- Corby at Cycling Upgrades introduced me to an Everesting calculator, and oh if you put this, if you put the segment in the calculator, you could calculate exactly what watts you would have to do in order to get the to get, to the, get the KOM. That's yeah. fun. That's fun. Or you could uh, get Porters too. Porters. That's close to Porters last. I've year. got another one. I got another one I saw last year. This is ridiculous. This, you might be appeal. This might appeal to you. Have you ever seen like the triple or the quad? immigration segment no that sounds great though okay yeah that's it so go look at them i think there's a triple up and down up and down up and like and then there's a quad like it's like a hundred miles okay that one sounds good i did sprat has tried i mean he that guy is so freaking good um but there is one that i've seen him do and it's the emigration up and down um so i i got that one last last week but it includes coming down yeah i just like the random ones that's fun. Uh, before we move on, Jess has got some fun advice for us, but let's just talk about some notable finishes and, and stuff last year. Uh, particularly, dude, Utah State Championship. Like, you crushed the hill climbs last year. Can, can you share a little bit about last year's results? Yeah, yeah the hill climbs were good. Other, <laughs> other ones, sprint finishes are abysmal. <laughs> those, are, those are a joke. Um, training peaks, Josie, like all of your power um, if you use training peaks shows you like where your power levels match up in like the different categories for like different intervals. Right. So like all of my five minute, 10, 15, 20 are pretty good. And then my, my sprint is like a novice. It's, it's pathetic, but <laughs> to, to that, yes, hill climbs turned out well. Um, probably the most notable. Yeah. My wife and I traveled, we went to Mount Evans. Um, I just, I'd never heard of it. It's a 14,000 foot, uh, peak down there. And it's the Colorado, Colorado state championship, amazing event. So they closed the whole mountain. So the map, the mountain starts just above Boulder. 
starts at 7,500 feet and it ends at 1,442, mm-hmm. something like that. So it's 28 miles and then about 7,500 feet in that or whatever the math is on that. Um, and so we went, we stayed in Leadville for a week because I had read Phil Guyman's stuff about acclimating. And he said, you can either fly in the day of and do it um, before your body has like really acclimated or you have to go for several days. So mm-hmm. we went to Leadville um, and just stayed there for several days. And I did a bunch of training rides at 10,000. Then we went and went up to the top of, of Mount Evans before to just kind of like feel, um, yeah. Cause it's, it's weird. You, you start to get kind of feeling weird. Once you get past 10,000 feet, those last 4,000 feet, just completely exposed, super thin air. Um, but yeah, amazing events. They close the whole mountain down. They have police escorts the whole way. Um, it's the best photo I have of a cycling race is the Mount is the Mount Evans one. (laughs) The best pictures. I was looking at those yesterday on Strava. So good. It's a good, it's a good picture. So yeah, Um, amazing event. If you can get out there. We talked about tour of, is it, I'm hoping I'm not saying tour of Gila and that was just last week. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. Yeah. That one went well. Yeah. Yeah. Podium. The last day was, was top 10 on all the stages. Um, it's, it's amazing. The, the, there's so many of these young riders, 18, 19, the guy who won the GC in cat three was, uh, is 16 years old. Um, just these incredible riders who are all looking to get to that next level. Um, awesome race. I really felt like my legs started to come to me at the end. So stage five was the queen stage, uh, with the like last big climbs. So I was happy to get, get a result there. I know, but the name of this podcast, I already decided yesterday, Jess, Tell them how much you earned per hour yes. at the tour. Oh, a lot. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. So taking third on the last day on the podium gave me a hundred dollars total. So yes. I have a check over, I have a check over here of a hundred dollars. And I think over the whole week, that would have been less than $5 an hour. And to add insult, insult to injury, Stuart, my nephew was selling rocks that day. Rocks. He's nine years he's, he is nine years old and he was selling rocks. He advertised <laughs> them as friendship rocks and other rocks. He oh, made more, so he made good. more per hour than this I did so in that good. whole week of writing. <laughs> we got to end there. It's so good. Friendship <laughs> rocks. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny. That's awesome. All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's wrap up. Um, let's talk about advice. You've got some really fun advice here. So uh, you want to work, just work through it. Some things you've learned about sure. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my training advice would be learn to love intervals. That Mm -hmm. is what has, I feel made me a way better writer is spending time in all those power zones. If you look at, you know, Quinn Simmons is here training right now. He just did a ride yesterday, five hours and he didn't leave zone two for, he didn't even leave zone two for a second. Um, and so, so that's what I would say training wise, as far as recovery, I have a whole bin back here with like massage, uh, Mm -hmm. stem units on my back. I got back issues. Um, do a lot of that, do a lot of ice baths when it's stage races. Um, yeah, I could go, uh, racing advice. I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is to stay at the front. There are lots of accidents at these races. Um, Mm. and after getting in an accident, one of my first races, not knowing what I was doing, um, learn to my, my rule now is that I do not churn past 10th place. It's a hard, it's a hard thing because sometimes you churn farther when you're getting kind of that washing machine, but I really try to try to stay in the top 10. Um, and yeah, and just remembering that 
to focus on your strengths. I got a little discouraged after going to a lot of these flat races in Arizona and not getting the results that I was hoping always finishing in just the bit bunch sprints, but you never get any points or you're just always with the mix. Um, and so just kind of focusing, okay, the hill climbs will come. They'll come in June, in July. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> that's, nice. that's the goal right now with my fitness. So, uh, and yeah, the last piece of advice is just, I have really tried to keep, um, my wife involved in all of the goals that I make so that it can be a fun, a fun family affair. She is extremely supportive and loves to come to all the races. So, uh, just trying to keep a balance there. Yeah. A lot of fun pictures of you guys together. I love seeing your family, not just her, Jesse's girl. I love seeing yes. all <laughs> How about you, Jason? Any, any final questions for Jess? No, I, I think that um, we're all pretty inspired by your yeah. ability and your short. I mean, you obviously had a base of suffering and endurance from your you know childhood sporting activities, but how quickly you've become one of the best climbers that, I mean, any of us know one of the best climbers in the state is pretty impressive. So I think that I speak for all of us when I say that we're excited to see how much better and faster you're going to get since you're just kind of, you know, starting out and it's the tip of the iceberg, the, the KOMs in Utah will begin to fall. Mm-hmm. But we got to bring them back to Utah. That. That's the goal. I'm excited to back see. To Utah. <laughs> Thanks, Jess, Jason. Any, uh, any final words, my friend? Final words. No, I love cycling. I love what you're doing, Stu, with the podcast and getting everybody on here. Um, no, I just love the Utah cycling community. So I'll do anything to be an advocate for it because I think it's the best community we have. Nice, dude. Well, you certainly are poster boy. Everybody loves to be with you in the Peloton, like your wife said, just uh, the way you make friends and the way that you connect with people. I mean, it's just the best. So grateful to watch you ride. Um like Jay said, inspiring, man. That's why uh, it's fun to hear your story. And hopefully we'll we'll hear more. Tip of the iceberg, my friend. More to come. Hopefully. Okay. Just be careful. Just be careful. We got to remember. We were, big reminder. Uh, the two-week mark, Jace, uh, just has a big <laughs> commitment here. The two weeks out from Loda, just strictly indoor riding. So indoor, <laughs> indoor riding on the two weeks. No mark. injuries. I, no injuries. <laughs> I've injured myself both times. That's oh, it. So good. I'll be indoor. I'll be in Watopia on that day. You can guarantee it. (laughs) All right, fellas. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you later.